0: So, following on from what Mark has been sharing in our treasure series and even what Des was saying last week, I want to talk for a while this evening about self-esteem, self-worth and a Christian understanding of value and identity. In the last 40 years in the Western world, self-esteem has become a key term in psychology and childhood development In Western society, there's been a lot of emphasis placed on positive self-image and thinking uh, of ourselves positively as a way to to feel good about ourselves and uh, enable us to uh, go on to achieve and perform. And many experts say that the way to help someone who's feeling depressed is to work on their self-esteem or that the best way to help someone who's underachieving is to shower them with exaggerated praise. But what is a Christian understanding of identity? Uh, How do we uh, think of ourselves? Where does our value and worth come from? Before answering those questions, I want to begin by thinking about a non-Christian understanding of self-worth. For many people in the world around us, self-worth comes from the things that and and attributes that they value and whether they're living up to those values. It's been pointed out that as human beings we feel good about ourselves whenever we're achieving or living up to the things that we think are important. For instance, a person might uh, value success in their career so they'll tend to have a positive view of themselves and feel good about themselves when their work is going well when they're being promoted, when they're uh, meeting their, the, the, the targets, when their boss is, is uh, uh, impressed and showering them with praise. They feel good about themselves. Conversely, we have a low self or will have a low sense of self-worth when they find themselves in a low-paid, boring job with little status or recognition and no obvious way of, of, of improving the situation they'll tend to feel depressed. Similarly, if your sense of identity comes from academic performance, then you'll feel good about yourself if you're passing your exams. Or alternatively, feel negative about yourself if you're not as as clever as others in your class. You know, the last few weeks for our young people have been a time of prelims and getting results. and, And some of you will have been pleased and others will have been disappointed. But is worth an identity really dependent on whether you get A's or B's? For some people, their self-esteem is linked to having a big house or an expensive car, or whether they're receiving approval from friends and family. Or for others, it's about appearance and image. You know, one of the most influential gods of this age is that of body image. The magazines, they say that beautiful people are those who are thin with a, with a particular appearance uh, and so for millions of women and, and even men, how they feel about themselves depends almost entirely upon whether they fit that category even to the extent of self-hatred if they don't. There are of course multiple problems with all of this. One problem is that These things that people value are often transitory. Wealth comes and goes. A a, a recession hits our business or or we lose our job. We end up in the benefits office and and suddenly our self-worth hits rock bottom. Or we get older and our hair turns grey and we put on some weight and and suddenly we're no longer fit what we think of as being beautiful and our self-image goes from good to bad how we measure up to our values is transitory and often variable. Another problem is that these things that we value are often not that valuable. You know, while it's good to value patience and generosity and kindness, and, you know, it's not bad to do our best at work or, or school or in our job, but yet if we're honest, often what drives many of us in society is things that are incredibly self-orientated. Wealth, beauty, performance, recognition. A person might think that they're doing quite well and have a high self-esteem, but actually value the wrong things. They might be the most successful bank robber in the world. They might be measuring up to uh, powerful success in a more legitimate sphere, but what happens when they run out of goals or achieve something And something changes and they no longer succeed. And many a person can have a low self-esteem because they value the wrong things. They don't measure up to those things, those worldly values, and they feel awful about themselves as a result. Now, having outlined some of the issues with a non-Christian understanding of self-worth, well, what then is a Christian understanding of these things? What is the gospel understanding of our identity and worth? Let's think about that for a bit. I'd like to suggest that there are two aspects to this. On the one hand, there's the acknowledgement of our utter sinfulness, and on the other, the realization of our incredible worth and value in God's sight. We are precious because he says so. First, then, an acknowledgement of our sinfulness. A gospel perspective on self-worth must begin with an acknowledgement of our utter wretchedness. That's not really language that uh, we're comfortable using nowadays. But the great hymn writers of the past understood total depravity of our human experience. In the words of Isaac Watts, "Alas, and did my Saviour bleed for such a worm as I?" Or in the words of Amazing Grace that we still sing, God saved a wretch like me. These hymn writers of the past understood that human beings are inherently sinful. Despite what the self-esteem cheerleaders of our day might say, we are not basically fairly good and deserving of blessing. Fundamentally, we are sinful and deserving of God's judgment. Paul makes that clear in the book of Romans. He writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even when we become a Christian, sin still remains present in our lives. Yes, it's dealt with, it's forgiven, but still the roots of anger and jealousy and bitterness and malice remain present. Lies and hatred and pride and immorality are still there even if confined to the limits of our internal discussion of our minds. John, in writing to a group of Christians, says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Therefore, a true understanding of self-worth, a Christian understanding, must begin with an acknowledgement of weakness and our continued sinfulness. You might say, doesn't that just make you feel worse? <laughs> well, yes, in one sense it does. Uh, when, we, when we think about ourselves rightly and from a, a, a truthful standing of the Bible, we realize that we have no grounds for boasting. Our own sinful efforts are but filthy rags compared to God's beautiful holiness. As Christians, we, we, we live in this tension between the now and the, and the not yet of the kingdom of God. You know, we've, we've been given the status of forgiven, and sin's power has been broken. We're no, no longer slaves to sin, but we have yet to be set free from the presence of sin in our lives. That's something we're looking forward to in the renewed creation But for now, we have this ongoing realization that in ourselves, we continue to fall short of God's perfect standards and values. We're in a a battle against sin. We we do not consistently live up to the standards of God's holiness. We have our good days, and there are are many things that we do in life that are good and worthwhile. But, But even the... The finest, the best things we do are tainted with sin. And so fundamentally, our identity as Christians begins with a sense of failure. We're not as truthful, nor honest, nor kind, nor loving, nor patient, nor gentle, nor merciful, nor faithful as we should be. Just think about this past week and your interactions with others at school, at work, in your family or the things you've thought about. I know I fall short. So being a Christian, therefore, does not get one away from a feeling of low self-worth in that sense. The more... Our values are changed so that they reflect God's values. The more we value the things that truly matter, the more we realize that in in our own strength, we don't live up to those values. We cannot make ourselves perfect. And therefore, in many ways, the whole notion of self-worth is just silly for the Christian. There's nothing inherent in ourselves or our own achievement that actually counts for very much when measured against the holiness and perfection of God. We are marred by sin in and of ourselves. The gospel message, though, doesn't leave us there. Praise God. In contrast to the self worth, we could say that we have much God worth to coin a phrase. In contrast to our sinfulness and the lack of lasting value in our earthly achievements, we have incredible worth because of who God has made us to be and because of what God has done for us in Christ. We have incredible worth in God's sight. Uh, The illustration is used of a banknote. You know, without the words and the numbers and the picture, it would just be a fancy bit of paper or, or plastic these days but But because of the image printed on it, it has value, and the same could be said of us as human beings. we all have worth because we bear god 's image that 's true of Christians and non Christians Genesis one Verse 27 tells us that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There's something about us as human beings that sets us apart from the animals and from the rest of creation. Whether it's in our relational ability or our intelligence or our spirituality or or even just the fact that God has given us uh, the, the, the role of caring for creation and being his representatives in the world. And the fact that we are made in the image of God becomes the foundation of why the Bible tells us to treat one another well. We're commanded not to murder, not to shed human blood. And we're told in Genesis 9 that it's because mankind is made in the image of God. Similarly, we're to do justice, care for those in need, because every individual is precious to God. We we have all been created by him. In Matthew 10, Jesus says that the very heads of our head are numbered. God God knows every one of the 7,682,876,965 people in the world. Just, Just think of the diversity of the athletes who will be competing in the European Athletic Championships in Glasgow in just a few weeks' time. The different ethnic makeup of the 50 different nations that are going to be represented. Or, or the different physical build of the uh, shot putter and the long distance runner. God made all these people and he knows them all and he loves them all. And that is true of you and me as well. You are precious in his sight. You bear his image. You reflect something of his glory. All human beings have worth because we were created by God and have been made in his image. Christians, though, can go beyond that and say that we have worth because we are loved by a heavenly father. We are made in God's image, but secondly, we are loved by a heavenly father. When you and I become Christians, we are immediately adopted into God's family. We become his children. Romans 8 verse 14, we read, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul is telling us that we are children of God. You are a member of God's family. You are a co-heir with Christ even. That means you inherit everything that Christ inherits from the Father. if you just do a quick internet search of celebrities these days, you'll find that the children of celebrities are in the news nearly as much as the celebrities themselves. Uh, The Beckham children or or the children of Brad Pitt, for instance, or someone's new baby. Uh, The reason the children are famous is because their parents are famous. Their fame and public interest comes not because of their own job or appearance or anything else, but because they're children of a famous person. Likewise, our identity as Christians comes not from the type of job we do or how much wealth we have or how beautiful we look or our educational attainments, but comes first and foremost because we are a child of the king. You are of great worth because God is your heavenly father. Let me just say that again. Your value, your importance is not dependent on your job or lack of one, your wealth or absence of it, your beauty in the eyes of the world, your being old or young, your maleness or femaleness, your educational achievement or anything else. None of those things give you true value, despite what the world might say. Your true value and worth is because you are made in the image of God and you are his child. And those of you who are currently successful in the world's eyes need to hear this as well. Because your success will not necessarily last. And you need to know that you are precious and valuable not because you have any particular worth in yourself but because you are loved by God, chosen by him adopted into his family and given the status of being his child. Your identity, my identity as Christian, does not come from who I am, but from who God is. And that is such good news because it, it, it frees us from trying to achieve worth and value according to the standards of this world. As Christians, we we no longer need to perform or achieve to get significance. We no longer need to get praise and admiration from others. We we don't need to build our self-esteem because actually we realize that our self-worth is of little worth. While our God-worth is incredible, you are loved by a heavenly Father. Now, if that were not enough... I want to take you a little further in understanding. Another way of thinking of the value of something is by finding out what it would cost you to buy it. You uh, want to sell your house, so you get it valued. You see a nice watch in the jeweler's shop, so you look down at the price tag to see how much it's worth. Well, if the Christian wants to know how much he or she is worth, then one way to know that is to look at how much it cost God to buy us. The Bible talks about how we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1 verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you but from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Peter in those verses contrasts Christ's blood with silver and gold and says that his blood is more valuable. It's precious in comparison. The blood of the only Son of God was shed on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven. Our sins could be cleansed and so we could be brought back into right relationship with the Father. Our worth to God is shown by what he was willing to pay Way above the one six eight million top price on, on eBay. God loved human beings so much that he gave his one and only son. God the son stepped into the world and, and paid our redemption price with his own life, with his precious blood. Therefore your worth, my worth as a Christian, is set by the precious blood of Christ. We are of infinite worth to God because he was prepared to pay such an exorbitant price. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. Riches that have been poured out abundantly on us. And and that's incredibly freeing. Yes, you you see, you and I do not have to live up to the standards of this world. We don't have to put on a show. We don't have to pursue wealth or status or beauty in the way that the world runs after these things. We can say honestly that I have little self-worth, but infinite God-worth. In His sight, I am precious. And ultimately, that is what really matters. Because in Him, I have all that I need. And in him I have eternal security and bountiful riches. So many people in our world are driven to be something, to achieve something, so that they feel that they have worth, feel that they are accepted. They're always trying to, to perform, fearful that the thing that they're depending on will be snatched away, their, their beauty will fade, their, their wealth will run out. Their friends will get bored of them. They won't have the same power and influence. They'll no longer be as well known. So many people feel depressed and are in despair because they're not living up to the values that they aspire to. They're not what they want to be. They don't measure up to what they think is important. But for the Christian, our value does not depend on our achievement. We know we are sinful. We are failures as far as self achievement is concerned. There's nothing that you or I can do to add worth to ourselves or even take away worth from ourselves. Our worth and value is given us because we are made in the image of God. We are loved by a heavenly Father and we have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. Therefore, We are of great worth, each and every one of us, independent of what we look like or how we perform. We are forgiven, righteous, loved by God, saints in God's kingdom and precious to him. But I want to finish this evening by thinking about how we live with a Christian view of worth. What difference does it make? How does this work out in practice? Well, I'd have to acknowledge that it's quite difficult to attune our mind to this new spiritual way of thinking. The world around us is, is proclaiming the message very loudly. You know, we're, we're bombarded with it in the advertising, in the media, on the social networks. You have to achieve in order to have significance. You have to have status in order to be secure. You have to appear in a certain way in order to be accepted. The gospel, though, turns all of that upside down. And therefore, we need to discipline ourselves to listen to God's voice and submit ourselves to the truth of what the Bible actually says. It says that that, that even the best of your And my own human achievements do not really count very much on God's scale. We all start from a place of sin and failure and brokenness. And therefore our significance and acceptance and security are not dependent on us at all, but are only and totally dependent on what God has done for us in Christ. We live in a place of of grace and, and of unmerited yet totally consistent love. I think there are two practical outworkings of this. One is to do with our confidence in God and the other with our desire to be like Christ. First, as a Christian, we should have increasing contentment with who you are. As you and I grew up in our relationship with God, you and I should have a deeper confidence in his love and of our security as members of his family. Here are a couple of verses that talk about the blessings and security that we have in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Romans 8 verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? There's a promise and a half. God is going to give us all things, everything we really need. He's already blessed us abundantly in the heavenly realms, and we need to keep that perspective in mind and that security, that sense of blessing should increasingly lead us to a place of contentment in this world. At least least that's what we're aiming for. The writer of Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, as we were thinking about in our treasure series. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And Paul in Philippians says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Being content in every situation. Being content with who you are, even. Okay, you're, you're not as... as Tall as you would like, or as thin as you would like, or as intelligent, or as outgoing, or whatever else it happens to be. But as a Christian, the Almighty, Eternal, All Powerful God is for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. There is nothing that mere mortals can do to you. Isn't that great? One Christian leader writes, the way a person comes to be content with the limitations in which God has put him is by coming to trust his father's wise and merciful bestowment more than he trusts the radio and TV, which claim he can't be happy unless he experiences X numbers of pleasure. Secondly, a second pride practical outworking of this change of understanding is that our values and focus change. We will increasingly desire to be like Jesus. We could even say that we will be increasingly discontent until we image Jesus. That's part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, He transforms our values so that we measure ourselves, not against the standards of this world, but against the values of God's kingdom. Rather than conforming to an earthly image of beauty, we'll want to reflect the beauty of Jesus. Rather than measuring ourselves by earthly achievement, we'll realize that it's more important to store treasure in heaven, as as we've been thinking about, and invest as effectively as we can in God's kingdom. You and I, if we're Christians, will want to become more loving and patient and kind and generous and, and merciful and self-controlled and so on. Not because we think we can uh, do so perfectly and, and not because we think we can earn acceptance, but because we know we are accepted and we are trying to live in a new way in response to that. We, we choose to hang the label of, of saint around our neck and then we try to live like one. We try to live out our identity of being Christ-like. Paul in Romans 8 says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's our goal. Our goal is to be conformed to the image of God's son. And if you want to reach your full potential, then aim for that As of yet, we're just like an uncut diamond. An uncut diamond is valuable, but it's not very beautiful. It's just a lump of clear rock. But a diamond that has been cut and polished is beautiful and valuable. One day, we're going to be perfect like Christ. And in the meantime, that's what we aim for. That's what we set our hearts on. That's the target. Wealth and academic achievement and a good job and looking fashionable are not necessarily bad things, but they do not give us lasting worth. Only being like Jesus increases our brightness in any way. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I think that's the fundamental difference between a non-Christian and a Christian understanding of self-esteem. No longer are we looking at ourselves with the eyes of the world and thinking of ourself and what will make us look good in the eyes of others. Instead, we are looking at Jesus and are being transformed into his likeness. Becoming like him and living for him becomes the focus and our goal. And in the light of his glory, the things and the values of the world grow strangely dim, as the old song puts it. Let's pray. Loving and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you accept us and love us and think we are wonderful. Not because of anything we ourselves have done, but because of your unconditional mercy and grace. Thank you that you bought us with the precious blood of your Son. That you redeemed us as Christians from an empty way of life lived by so many people around us. And I pray this evening for any here who do not yet know you that you would help them to find their identity and security in you. And for the rest of us who are who are already Christians, help us to live out the reality of our worth in Christ. You know, rather than be driven or feel depressed by not achieving what the world thinks is important, may we indeed know the love and security and acceptance. That comes from being in relationship with you, our gracious and loving Heavenly Father. Amen.